And I want to talk to you from this thought today, self-improvement. Self-improvement. In relationships, and that would be any relationship you find yourself in, it's easy to be focused on trying to change the other person. You see, every person that you have a relationship with, every one of them have this one common denominator. Here it is. They all have this in common. Every person you have a relationship with, they are all imperfect. None of them are perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. Your boyfriend or girlfriend is not perfect. Your children are not perfect. Your, your co-workers are not perfect. Your family, uncles, cousins are not perfect. And hear me today, you are not perfect. None of us are, are, are perfect. And, and the big issue is this. Here's the big dilemma is, is we, we recognize everybody else's flaws. They, everybody else's issues, they seem so big to us, but we can have a very difficult time recognizing our own issues. We have a difficult time recognizing how big our own flaws can actually be. Matter of fact, people will say things like this. Well, that's just who I am. I mean, this is normal. It's who I am because they, they're used to who they are and they don't recognize their own flaws. About 20 years ago when I was traveling as a full-time evangelist, speaking at different churches and events around the nation, I was in Ohio. I was speaking at a church on a Sunday morning, and, and the pastor decided to, to, to put me up in someone's house in the church. So I was staying with a family from the church at this particular uh, service I was going to be at the, the next day. And I got to the people's home, and, and they lived a little differently than I did. They, they, they had animal hair everywhere. I mean, dog, cat, it was just hair. I mean, I'm not being nitpicky, I'm talking about it was some hair. You know what I'm saying? Hair on the couch and hair in the kitchen and, and hair in the dining room. And even when I got ready to go to bed, there was hair in the bed. And it just had that, it had that odor. You know what I mean? That, that stank odor. You know what I mean? That, that cat poo-poo odor. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I knew they knew I was coming over and I was going to spend the night. Y'all don't know me. I don't know you. And so you know they cleaned their house up, but uh-oh, what was that thing like before I got there? You know what I'm saying? And so go in and, and stay there, and it was just nasty, but it was normal to them. They're like, hey, sit down on the couch. I'm like, no. <laughs> Even the next morning, I had my nice little suit on. I used to, you know, have a suit and tie on, and, and I got ready to get in the car, and it was, it was here all in the car in my seat, and... But they were used to it. It was normal for them. They didn't even recognize it because they were familiar with it. And listen, every single one of us all have smelly and nasty areas in our own life. And we get so used to our own areas, we don't even recognize the stink and the smell and, and the nastiness in our own life. And we're used to it, but we sure can recognize other people's issues. And because we don't recognize our own issues, we don't try to work on ourselves. We don't try to improve ourselves, and we don't see it. But because we see everybody else's issues, we focus so much on trying to change them. The Bible talks about this in Matthew chapter 7, and picking up in verse 3, Jesus said, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? 
how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I have to make a confession to you. Throughout the years, I have tried to remove the speck out of my wife's eye. I have tried to change my wife. There were just things that irritated me about her and no doubt things that, that irritate her about me. And I found myself trying to, trying to change her, trying to make her more like me. And as I was trying to get the speck out of her eye, the reality is I never saw the log in my own eye. And so I'm preaching from personal experience today as I teach God's Word to you about relationships and the principles that I'm going to give you today will impact your relationship, whether you're married, engaged, whether you're dating, whether it's at a co- with a co-worker, a friend, or a family member. I'm going to give you three relationship shifts today. If you will make these shifts, they'll have an a great impact on your relationships they have on mine. When I talk about shift, it's like driving a standard car. You, 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 you hit in the, the clutch and, 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 and you move the, the stick shift, and you can make a one little small shift down, and it makes all the difference. You can shift up. It doesn't seem like a big shift, but that shift can make you go so much faster. And if you will make these three shifts in your relationship, you will move faster. Your relationships will be more healthy. A small shift can have a huge impact. Shift number one, the first relationship shift is this. Shift from working on your relationship to working on yourself. From working on your relationship to working on yourself. There was a married couple. They had been married for years, and they were were both 63 years old. And it was really interesting because they share the same birthday. They had the same birthday. They were born the same month and day, the same year. And so they're both 63, and they decided to celebrate their 63rd birthday by going to the ocean. And they were walking on the beach at the ocean. As they were walking on the beach, enjoying one another, celebrating their 63rd birthday together, they they noticed that a a, a bottle washed up on shore. It was a rather interesting bottle. They they picked up the bottle, and, and as they picked up the bottle, a genie came out. And the genie said, you both have one wish apiece, and I will give you whatever you ask for. They were like, you know, whatever. It's like the movies. They're not going to give us what we ask for. They didn't really believe the genie. But the lady thought, you know what, I'll give it a try. She said, I would like, it's my 63rd birthday. I would like a big diamond ring, a, a ring bigger than Elizabeth Taylor's, a big diamond ring. Poof! A big diamond ring, one of the largest in the world, was now on her finger. Her husband thought, mm. There might be something to this. So he decided, you know what I wish? He said, I wish I had a wife 30 years younger than me. Poof! He was 93. (laughs) 
All I'm saying, you got to be careful trying to change people. You got to be careful trying to change people. In marriage, in relationships, we can get so focused on trying to change the other person. Listen, last year was Tiffany and I's most challenging year of marriage. This year we will be have been married 20 years this year. It was our most challenging year. Yeah, thank, thank the Lord, 20 years this year. And, and one of the major reasons it was so challenging is because Tiffany and I both made the shift to begin to work on ourselves. And that was a huge shift for me. As I began to shift on working on myself, you know what I began to realize? I began to realize how much I was spending my energy focused on areas I wanted Tiffany to change. As I began to shift and focus on myself, I realized not only did I have one plank in my eye, I had several logs in my eye. And if you were to talk to Tiffany and I, we, we had a great marriage. We have a great marriage. We had a great marriage last year. But we knew that God had more. And he wanted to take our great marriage and make it a phenomenal marriage. And you know what it required me to do? And it was so painful. Is to shift and begin to work on myself. And friends, when you make this shift, you know what will happen? You will read the Bible from a brand new lens when you shift to self-improvement. Let me give you an example. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says, In the same way... You wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, here's what I want you to notice. Your godly lives will speak to them without words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. So here's what the Bible is teaching. The Bible says if, you, if a couple gets married and neither one of them are followers of Christ, and then all of a sudden, one of the spouses gives their life to Christ, but the other one doesn't. And they continue to live their old lifestyle. And the Bible says the person who gives their life to Christ, they should not make their top priority now trying to change their spouse. Say, so no, 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 no. Your top priority should be self improvement. Matter of fact, the scripture says that your godly life, if you work on living a godly life, it will speak louder than any words you could ever speak. Matter of fact, the scripture goes on to say, it says, you, you will win them over by them just observing your reverent life because your life has changed so much, it's impacting their life. Actually, without even any words. Here's the principle. This principle is so powerful. The principle is this. The way you change your spouse is by changing yourself. The way you change your relationships is by changing yourself. It's about self-improvement, not spouse improvement. Let's be honest with one another today. Let's be honest. We can't change people anyways. Come on, you've been trying. How's that working for you? We, 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 can't, we can't change people. It's interesting, you know, people will go to counseling, uh, and I believe in counseling. I'm a proponent and advocate of Christian counseling, so beneficial. And yet people at times will show up to counseling, and a spouse will, will say, you know, we're here. We, we need to work on our marriage. We need to work on our relationship. 
And, and oftentimes what they're really saying is, I need your help to help me change them. They're doing some things I don't like. And would you help me change that knucklehead? So we're, we're here to work on our marriage. And you have to shift from working on your marriage, shift from working on your relationship, and begin to work on yourself. Friends, can I tell you, for, for you to actually work on a relationship, that requires buy-in from both people. And if the other person is not bought in, if your spouse or your fiance or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your friend or your coworker doesn't want to work on the relationship, you can't force them to. But can, let me tell you what you can do. You can begin to work on yourself, self-improvement. And after all, you are 50% of the relationship. The relationship that you have, the, the issues that you're having, whether you want to admit it or not, you're contributing to those issues. You're, you're, you're half of the relationship. So if you will begin to work on changing yourself, it will have an impact on your relationship. If you begin to focus on self-improvement, the Bible bears this out. It's a principle in the Bible. Matter of fact, when you see the Bible talk about the different spouses, it will say husbands, and then it will give the, the text. It will give the rest. Wives, you not, not husbands, you do it for the wives and make the wife do it. Not wives, you make the husband do it. No, no, no. You focus on self-improvement. And if you will improve yourself, it will impact the other person. So here's the question. What's the log in your eye? What's the log? Work on self-improvement. Be honest with yourself. If you sit here today and you're not sure about the log in your eye, just ask your spouse. Ask your boyfriend, ask your girlfriend, ask your friend. That, that's what I actually did. I sat down and said, Tiffany, what am I missing? How can I improve our marriage? What can I do different? I didn't always enjoy the answers, but I wanted to work on myself. I've asked people who are close to me, what do you see in me? What can I change? What can I improve? And then even they asked this question, and you begin to ask yourself, you begin to ask others, how do I actually get that log out of my eye? How do I actually improve? Self-improvement. You start asking yourself and thinking about yourself, you start going, how can I be a more pleasant person to be around? You can't change the other person. But you know what you can change? You can change yourself and make yourself more pleasant to be around. How can I be more kind? How can I be more loving? How can I meet your needs? How can I listen better? That was huge for me. Just really listening. Just, just really dialing in and listening to my wife. You know, no phone, undivided attention, listening. Men, I, I have learned the, the, the four most romantic words to a woman. It's going to change your life. If I I take notes right now. Right now, I'm going I'm to change your life. The four most romantic words to a woman. Here, here they are. Here they go. Here, men, listen. And then what happened? <laughs> and just be quiet. Come on, men. And then what happened? <laughs> Come on, ladies. Preach, pastor. Preach. Tell the truth. <laughs> Tell the truth. And listen. Work on self 
improvement. Stop trying to work on your relationship and start working on yourself. You're 50% of the relationship. Change yourself and watch how it'll impact your relationship. Number two is this. There's a second shift. A minor shift can make a huge difference. The second shift is shift from judging to accepting. From judging to accepting. In relationships, the closer we get to someone, the easier it is to become critical and judgmental of them. The old saying is true. Familiarity breeds contempt. You have to understand that the closer you get to someone, the more you see their flaws, the more you see their imperfection and their issues. And it's really easy to become critical of people that you're close to. And whenever you become critical, whenever you start judging the people that are closest to you, you're actually driving a wedge in that relationship. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, fill in the blank, you judge your spouse, your, your friend, your, your fiance. It says, you will be judged. With the measure you use to judge them, it says, it will be measured to you. Here's something that we all have to all keep in mind. I have to work on this myself, and that is this. Whenever I point one finger at somebody else, three are pointing back at me. And you can get so focused on judging the other person that you're not realizing your own issues. And friends, when you're always critical and judging the other person, it actually says more about you than it does about them. You're having a heart issue. The book of James chapter 2 and verse 13 says, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Notice this, mercy triumphs over judgment. This will change your relationships. Listen, mercy triumphs over judgment. Our relationships need to be filled with mercy instead of judgment. Let me, let me give you some theology here. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy, not getting what you do deserve. And a relationship that's filled with, I'm going to give you what you deserve, is headed for trouble. And a lot of, a lot of relationships operate that way. I'm going to give you what you deserve. Friends, a God-honoring relationship, a thriving relationship is filled with mercy, not judgment. Let me give you a couple, couple, couple practical takeaways. How do you show mercy? Here's how you can show mercy. Begin to accept your spouse. Not judge, accept them for who they are. Stop subtly. I've been there. Stop subtly trying to change your spouse. Love them for who they are. You know what happens when you start judging people close to you? It actually puts you in an oppositional posture towards the other person. You see, when you're always trying to change somebody, you're communicating to them, who you are is not enough for me. And that's tough on a relationship because you're always trying to change. If you would just be more like them, if you'd just be more, more like her, if you'd just be more like him, and you're always trying to change someone. And it's easy to do that. I've been there. You know, Tiffany and I are opposites in every way. And when you are just opposites, it's easy just to try to change the other person to be a little bit more like you. Tiffany and I are opposites. She, she likes watching 
cooking shows and home buying shows. Matter of fact, I got home with the boys from basketball practice and yesterday and got home and there was a house selling show on. Come on, I don't want to watch a house selling show. Come on, ESPN, men, where are you at today? Me, I, I didn't want, we're opposites. I like chitterlings. She likes chicken. That's as far as she's going, chicken. That's as far as she's going. She's a go with the flow person. I'm a structured person. I'm a morning person. She's not. I drink decaf coffee. She's caffeinated all the way. I'm a direct communicator. She's a process communicator. When I say I don't have anything to wear, that means I don't have any clean underwear. When she says she didn't have anything to wear, that means she needs a new outfit. Come on, somebody. We're, we're different. We're, we're different. And, and it's easy for me to judge her because we're different. And I've been there where I've judged, I've been critical, and here's what I've learned. It didn't help my wife. It didn't help our marriage. You know what I've learned to do is accept my wife. Matter of fact, I have learned and really become more educated that I don't want to be married to nobody else like me. Come on, somebody. No. Uh-uh. And so I've just learned, accept my wife for who she is. Here's just another way you can show mercy. Show mercy by dropping the image of the perfect spouse. It's easy to create an image of the perfect spouse. Media helps to create this image in our minds. How we grew up can help create this image. Friends help create it. An ex-boyfriend or girlfriend can help create it. A first marriage can help create it. And you can begin to develop this image of the perfect spouse, the perfect sex, the perfect dinner, the perfect date, the perfect conversation. And then you judge your spouse when they don't live up to your perfect image that you've created. And it actually drives a wedge in your relationship. Listen, one of the most powerful gifts that you can give your spouse, and for some of you in, in, in any relationship that you're in, for some of you, this is true. One of the most powerful gifts that you can give in 2017 is to stop judging and being critical and start accepting people for who they are. It's a shift. You can't change them anyways. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not God the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost. I can't change anybody's life, but I can sure change me, and I can make the shift from judging to accepting. Number three is this, a third shift, a minor shift can make all the difference in the world. Number three is shift from complaining to praising, from complaining to praising. Hear me today, church. Chewing someone out is a desire killer. Nagging is a desire killer. Complaining is a desire killer. And the, re way, the reason I describe it that way, because we actually use these techniques because we think it's a motivator. But it's actually a desire killer. You think complaining and, and constant nagging is helping your relationship, but it actually does the exact opposite. All you married folks, don't miss this. It's hard to kiss the lips at night that chew you out during the day. Give me some, I won't kiss you. Uh-uh. No, I don't feel it. Proverbs 21 verse 9 says, better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. This would also be a quarrelsome husband. I know some of the husbands were like, all right, get him. Get her, pastor. Get, I'm coming for you too. Come on, we're in this together. We're, we're, come on, all of us. When a spouse is always nagging and chewing their spouse out, it drives a wedge in the marriage. 
And people do it all, all the time. Nagging and complaining. You don't ever listen to me. Would you do more around the house? Pick up your clothes. Stop talking so much. What's wrong with you? You need to know more with the kids. Why are you always watching those shows? Turn the TV down. It's always loud. You're always on the phone. And the husband or wife would rather live on the corner of a roof than with constant complaining and nagging. Instead of complaining and nagging, try this. It's a shift. Try this right here. Shift and begin to share to be known and not for outcome. Share to be known and not for outcome. You see, the reason we complain and we nag is because we're after outcome. Outcome. Take out the trash. Listen to me. What are you doing? Outcome. Shift from sharing for, from out, for outcome and shift to share to be known. Sharing to be known invites conversation. When you don't listen to me, let me just tell you how it makes me feel. And right now I'm sharing to be known. It invites conversation. You know what I've learned is that meanness and manipulation is a very weak motivator. Oh, you might, you know, get a little change for a day or two. But nobody's really motivated to change with meanness and manipulation. But you share to be known, invite conversation. I'm not sharing to manipulate you. I'm not sharing to be mean. I'm sharing to be known. And allow the Lord to work and allow conversation to happen around you being known. It's a shift, but it'll be a game changer for your relationships. Shift, shift, shift. I want to encourage you. Replace complaining with praise. Let me teach you a principle. What gets rewarded gets repeated. We don't understand this with relationships, so, so we want to nag and complain hoping something gets repeated. But actually, that's not the case. What gets rewarded gets repeated. So thank you so much for taking out the trash. And then, and then give him a kiss. He will fall out if you do that, I promise. Just, and then boy, the next day, he'll be looking for trash to take out. Come on, somebody. <laughs> hey, where's the trash yet? <laughs> Sweetie, it means the world to me when you sit on the couch and watch sports with me. Thank you. And then massage your feet. Come on, ladies. Work it, brother. Work it. I've been on them all day. Get them bunions. <laughs> now, here, all I'm trying to teach you is this. I'm trying to teach you this. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Not what gets nagged on. Not what gets complained about the most. It's a really weak motivator. Shift from complaining to praising and just watch the impact it has in your relationships. Stop trying to work on your relationship because you're 50% of it and begin to work on yourself and watch how it impacts your relationship.